0: This is a podcast by Queries on SIN.
1: SIN acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land, the House of SIN and Studios Stand On, the Wurundjeri people of the cooler nations. SIN also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Welcome to Loud and Clear, my name is Elizabeth and we are recording this show remotely. I'm recording this show on Boon, on Boon land, which sovereignty has not been ceded.
0: And I'm Laura, uh, my pronouns are they, them. I'm non-binary and queer and I'm recording this from Wurundjeri land. Um, sovereignty has not been ceded and Sin acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which they broadcast from, which is the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin nation. You can find us on social media at Sin Loud on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us at Loud and Queer on Facebook and the Loud and Queer Cafeteria Group on Facebook as well.
1: You're also welcome to listen to our show again whenever you want to on any of your podcast services such as Spotify, OMI, Apple Music, etc.
0: You can listen to Loud and Queer every Sunday, 3 to 4pm. We broadcast on 90.7 FM or on the Sin website, sin.org.au.
1: Coming up, we'll be giving an LGBTQ plus news whip, as well as discussing um, TV shows and, and film that have accidental gay subtext to them, as well as our Froth or Not, plus some incredible queer music. Right now, we're gonna be just going into our LGBTQ plus news whip now. So according to The Age, LGBTQ plus conversion therapy has now been outlawed in Victoria following a marathon debate in the upper house on Thursday. The bill passed the Victorian Parliament with 27 votes to 9 after a 12-hour sitting in the Legislative Council, where Liberal MP Bev McArthur and Bernie Finn defied their party's position and crossed the floor to vote against the government legislation.
0: Sophie, the Grammy-nominated Scottish disc jockey, producer and recording artist who had worked with the likes of Madonna and Charlie XCX, died following an accident in the Greek capital of Athens last week. She was 34. In a statement, UK label Transgressive said the musician, whose full name was Sophie Zion died in the early hours of Saturday morning. A press statement from them reads, Tragically, our beautiful Sophie passed away this morning after a terrible accident. True to her spirituality, she had climbed up to watch the full moon and accidentally slipped and fell. A police spokesperson from Athens confirmed that Sophie slipped and fell from the balcony of an apartment where she was staying and no foul play was suspected in her death. The person spoke to the Associated Press on condition of anonymity because the investigation is still ongoing. That report from CBS News. We at Loud and Queer send our condolences to Sophie's loved ones and the transgender community. If that story co- caused you any distress or concern, please call Q Life at one 527 or Lifeline at one three one 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 four.
1: A new study in the United Kingdom has concluded that puberty blockers have the beneficial impact on the happiness and overall well-being of transgender youth. A joint team from the University College London and the NHS Gender Identity Development Service, a national health clinic focusing on children with gender identity issues, examined, a short-term, examined short-term outcomes from the use of puberty blockers in young people ages 12 to 15 who have, persisted, who have persistent gender dysphoria. A study which was published on... The study, which was published in the journal PLOS One on Tuesday, found that most patients reported either positive or healthy mixture of positive and negative life changes while undergoing puberty-blocking treatments. The vast majority of young people in the study went on to take hormone treatments that corresponded to their gender identity. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. My name is Elizabeth. Right now we're going to be talking about, which is a topic I'm very excited for, um, movies and TV shows that weren't queer when they when they aired, but we kind of feel that they are.
0: <laughs> so what is an accidentally queer movie to start off with? Let's define it a little bit, I think.
1: People can often have like very strong connections with one another and that can be like Both in the front, in a platonic way or a romantic way, and in shows like most of the time, sure it can be just in a platonic way. But like in a world where a lot of, especially at that time, a lot of a lot of queer children and teens were struggling to find representation in anything, like it's easy to see how people can like find those like find these strong connections between people and see a relationship in that.
0: Yeah, for sure, and we did talk about queer baiting a little bit before we jumped on here, and I think um, I want to distinguish that. So accidentally queer is probably something where um, a same-sex relationship is really strongly represented, or maybe someone's gender identity is a bit ambiguous, but it's not, like, specifically stated, right? And then you've got, um, you know, that's, like, accidentally kind of creating those narratives, um, and the viewer can take that how they want to. And then, yeah, it's not
1: not exactly intentional, but it's just how it is. Like, it
0: just that's how it came across. Yeah. And like you said, you know, there's always that um, element of being queer as a kid and then wanting to find, you know, something that represents you. And so you're looking kind of desperately because the world might not have gotten that far yet. And there's definitely been some strides.
1: Uh, At the time, definitely, like, there was like representation in the queer community was very little. So it's, it's good to see like it, it it it's it was a comfort thing for a lot of people i think i know it was a comfort thing for me
0: mm, yeah for sure and like particularly the very hetero culture coming out of hollywood in the 2000s was like it was fun and it was silly but it it was so so straight yeah it was <laughs> um and so i think you know that leads us to queerbaiting which is when uh writers or directors of shows would kind of um create like scenes or maybe ads back when we we watched tv yeah (laughs) um where like where characters would seemingly be forming some kind of homoerotic like relationship and it would turn out that that was not in fact the case or maybe they would but then um one half of the queer partnership would go back to being hetero and I think that leads pretty well into your uh choice for this one Elizabeth. yeah
1: yeah it does because like when I was growing up a lot a uh, show that I found a great deal of comfort in was the BBC Merlin and like if you have if anyone has ever seen that show you know that the sexual tension between Merlin and Arthur is strong. (laughs) There is, they have a, like, it starts out with like them not liking each other much, but they grow to have a very strong bond and depend on one another. And it's like a lot of people had an attachment to that relationship and saw it as more than just a fun bromance, but an actual romance. And I was also one of those people. And we're in a show as well. When, the concept of magic itself is also very heavily queer coded, whether intended or not. It's easy to see where the connection gro- where the connection grew. And lately a lot of people have gone back to look at the show and said, this is queer baiting from the way that the characters, they, they, they get along with one another, that it's got this very like queer baiting uh, perspective on it. And, I know that the showrunner also did not help his case with that when he referenced the ending of the show being a love story between the two leads, which, very poor wording there, i got to say. But at the time, like, I think that it, part of me thinks that there wasn't that intention, like, that's me trying to be nice, I guess, but I can definitely see the other side of that where it is, like, yeah, like, it's it's hard when the, the main the, the two leads have what looks like better chemistry than any of the other characters in the show at the time so it like it says a lot when you play the romantic relationships in the show the exact same way as you play their friendship it's like it's the, the, it's very visible when you see the show so it's something that obviously is still going to be obviously discussed a lot today and probably for a while to come it's just how it just trying to think about how to word it it's it's just something like i still find comfort in the show and i know a lot of people still do find comfort in the f- relationship between the two characters and i don't think that ever will
0: change there was like an expectation that they would end up together
1: i wouldn't say there was an expectation they would end up together from the show cuz i mean by like by the f- by the fourth si- like it was also very apparent that the one of the other leads, Arthur, he did have a love interest in Gwen, so it was something that, like, I don't think it was, I think, like, deep down you kind of knew, no, this, there wasn't going to be a relationship here, it just kind of, the way they c- continue to play the two characters, despite this other actual romance going on in the show, it, like, it kind of puts this odd, weird standard between the two
0: and I think like I only watched some of Merlin um I wasn't just like a mega fan or anything but I definitely noticed the uh the homoeroticism a little bit and I like I feel like there was so much about um Merlin and Arthur where they're so dependent on one another like they have a lot of sort of conflict over how much they need one another they do and that felt gay to yeah, me.
1: Yeah, there, there is a, there is so much of that. It's like, like it, it's ha- like it, I mean, there's always going to be that kind of fun. Di- like they've always just had this like great dynamic, even if like there's been the whole secret of Merlin hiding his magic from Arthur. Like it's still so apparent how much like it's so apparent in the show how much they care for one another. Like so when it so when you see that compared to the other relationships in the show, it's kind of like, well, how is this not gay?
0: yeah the level of intimacy is astounding
1: yeah i mean like when one character goes missing for three days and the other person doesn't sleep out of worry for the poor for the poor guy like and and is so overjoyed when they find him again like it's
0: yeah there's something going on something's happening and you sort of mentioned it earlier that you know, magic itself is quite queer. Can you explain that to me?
1: Well, just the way how it's persecuted throughout the show, like it's this, some, it's something that you can't get, it's something that you're born with and it's something that you can't, like something that you can try to repress but it just makes you miserable, it hurts you inside and that like if anyone finds out about it, you'll be persecuted and hated and hunted. It's something that like obviously, like, it's something that is very real to that experience so when you have characters that like even like the actress that plays Morgana Katie McGrath she's said herself like it's got that feel to it like the idea of like I have magic it's something I can't control like no one could find out about this like it'll destroy my entire life if anyone else around me finds out that I have this like it's got this like it's something that like you it's something that people have like this Aversion to, but the main characters also have, and it's like they're not only trying to hide it, but also learn to embrace it. Like it's, it's something that a lot of queer queer teens and kids at the time would really resonate with. Like I know I resonated with it a lot.
0: Mm. And do you think that that was quite intentional from the writers that that comparison could be drawn, or do you think it was just queer baiting?
1: Like I get the. I get the feeling just from how s- strong the show writers are always against, like, no, this isn't what we intended. I can, I'm assuming that, like, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that, that that wasn't what they intended. But at the same time, like, it's something that was very important to a lot of people. Like, by the time the show was still around, like, when the show was, like, finishing up in 2012, like, it wasn't like the shit between the two leads was, like, suddenly getting popular later. Like, it was very popular at that time as well. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin here with uh, Elizabeth and Laura. Uh, We also just finished talking about the first part of our Accidentally Queer segment, Discussing Merlin, so now we're going to jump into the second half of that segment, talking about Thelma and Louise.
0: Yeah, so Thelma and Louise was a movie I had wanted to watch for a long time, and I only first watched it last week, actually. So um, I was really excited to watch it, and I think it's a great example of an accidentally queer movie um it's from the 90s so there's a lot of like feminist uh culture you know riot girl bands and all that sort of very punk uh you know like anti-establishment kind of feminism going around
1: yeah like Stick it to the man sort of thing, literally.
0: (laughs) Which we love, we love that. And (laughs) so Thoreau and Louise was released in 1991, Um, keeping in mind that's like in the midst of or uh, near the end of like the women's liberation movement um, and, you know, second wave feminism and a lot of Um. sort of openly lesbian culture, finally breaking the light of day and Ridley Scott, also is uh i've been told someone who made a lot of films about how terrible men are and kelly curry wrote the helped write the script so we've got two pretty feminist uh filmmakers on our hands here and i want to start out by mentioning all of the terrible men in the movie
1: <laughs> Ooh. tell me everything <laughs> so
0: there's uh Thelma's terrible 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 husband he's really abusive he's sloppy he's lazy he expects her to do everything he says he wants her to act a certain way dress a certain way treat him a certain way has a very like women belong in the kitchen kind of mentality and Thelma doesn't love it but she's married to him she's a loyal person she's kind of painted as naive in the beginning and you end up sort of empathizing with her and then you've got Louise who is her sort of hard older friend who takes care of herself has never settled down and drives a really really cool car um oh that's what (laughs) you love yeah it's hard that is what you (laughs) love yeah um and so it starts out with him and uh Louise wants to go away on like a girl's weekend and Thelma feels really uncomfortable or hesitant because her husband doesn't want her to go, and then he says something terrible to her and she goes, screw it, I'm going and I'm not telling him. And so they jump in the cool car and they wear, they're they wearing their sunglasses and it's a convertible and the wind's whipping through their hair and it's really hot.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that sounds
0: perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big mood. Uh, great start. And then another terrible man shows up and uh, tries to sexually assault Thelma or does sexually assault Thelma but I won't go into that in any more detail in case anyone's worried um Fair and I'm gonna spoil something okay get- um, well brief spoilers <laughs> brief spoiler warning
1: for a 1991 film if you haven't seen it now yeah. well
0: yeah you've had plenty of time though like <laughs> plenty of time over 20 years um <laughs> <laughs> so but yes yeah, go on uh louise shoots this guy dead and they drive off into the night and they're freaking out and they have to try and find their way out of it and it sort of shows them get like wilder and sexier and more <laughs> like on the oh, road oh and the movie like goes on. Them. yeah and like it's it's incredible because not only that, but then Thelma starts, like, robbing stores and then she's uh, she's um, screwed over by this sexy young Brad Pitt who, <laughs> like, she has sex with, like, a one-night stand, and then he steals from her and, like, runs with all their money. Uh, and... You Know so there's another terrible man, and so you know they're forced to steal, they're forced to, um, you know, hide from cops. Um, yeah, it's it
1: sounds very much like a two girls against the world sort of story from ha- from like what I'm from what I'm getting and everything. Mm. And it sounds like, like, well, it sounds like a like for one, I need to see this movie, <laughs> but. But like, you can def like, I can definitely understand, like, even just from that description, like, where, like, that queer subtext can come from, because like, oh, that sounds like a life I'd want to live at one point.
0: And they become, you know, even closer, they learn things about each other, Um, they bond over similar experience of facing sexism or harassment from men. Um, and they have to find their independence, which Louise kind of already has. And this boyfriend she's got proposes to her. He's another crappy, uh, man in the movie. And he has, he proposes to her in the laziest way I've ever seen. And she just goes, "Mm, why now though? And he literally tells her because he thinks she's leaving him for some other guy and then like flips the table like literally flips a table and I think nearly punches drywall. Jeez. And you're just going, God, they all suck. <laughs> so it's this very, you know, um, women outside the law, they're independent, they don't need men, but obviously if you've seen the famous uh, shot from the end of the movie, you know that the the kind of outcome is women can't win. So they're strong enough yeah. to, to be without men, but they often can't survive because of systemic sexism and oppression and things along those terrible lines and so you end up with these two Jezebels who are really really cool and feisty and uh, there's a kiss there's a little kiss at the end before they drive off uh, into nothing and it's the it's the gayest thing you get. Um, but what I like about that is that it's not subtle like those other sort of, um, sapphic movies we're seeing like in the last ten years, where there's a lot of you know like longing, staring, and uh, gentle hand touches because they're too yeah, shy. None, none
1: of that. There's none of that like special connection yeah. between the two. It's just like like it's it seems like it's very overt in it and like God, that's something I've missed, God, I've missed things being overt.
0: there's <laughs> too much subtext in sapphic films, all right? it's too God. much too much
1: sapphic too much subtext and not enough like just text in, <laughs> just in general, in general media at this point, it's like mm. God, that is a danger for another episode from me. I swear to God,
0: yeah, I'd love that. We'll get to that next <laughs> week, I think. Um, Sounds like it. <laughs> but I, I think something that, um, like, as we were both reading about our respective, uh, um, sorry, I can't remember what to call them, uh, our respective, like, cinema experiences. Um, yeah, that's, that's know, a good word for it, I think. Yeah, <laughs> there's, like, a lot of, there are a lot of readings online you know, academic or just in, you know, junkie or whatever about the gay subtext of both of these and, you know, Merlin mm. and Elmer and Louise. And I think what runs across them is the idea of is it more important to have queer representation be confirmed or is the whole, you know, strong female or strong emotional male friendships just as important and I'd argue yes of course but why can't we just show men hugging each other and crying to each other about their problems anyway and why can't we have films about women without the male gaze attached constantly
1: yeah like the fact the Bechdel test exists at all is just so disappointing to me yeah 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 but like it's that's it's something that it's I think just because of the way like representation in like media in regards to like queer representation in general, like whichever way it goes, either being as like a strong friendship or a romance and everything, like anytime like a strong friendship between two female or two male leads is going to come up, people like fandoms and everything, they will look at that as like, they will look at that and like put on the, I don't want to say like, you know, you kind of get what I mean? Like the, that representation, like sh- like shipping wise and like mm-hmm. seeing them as a, sweet, a cute couple and everything. It's something that's always going to be there. But like, I think there is, that there just needs to be more balance between like, yes, that just ha- like have these sweet friendships, let men and women be vulnerable and everything and let them be strong at this as well. And let them mm. be able to depend on one another and let it be and like, let it just be that it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to always be queer representation but at the same time also like let's also have some nice yeah let's also have more queer representation like let's have let's stop with the subtext and make it more overt
0: Mm, i wholeheartedly agree
1: welcome back to loud and queer on sin my name is elizabeth with my host laura uh we just heard the song forest gump by frank ocean and now we're going to be talking about froth or not things that things that we thought were good or bad that occurred this week for us personally
0: yeah um so i have a pretty great froth this week starting out strong um i've been watching this youtube series called these thems and i haven't really watched any fictional youtube series before and i think this one is amazing um Ooh. it's about a group of queer people in New York City. Um, There's a newly out lesbian woman who uh, she doesn't know she's gay in the first episode and she goes to the gyno and accidentally uh, has a a little climactic moment for herself and is like, oh, oh no, Uh, this is why I hate having sex with men. And then there's another person who goes to the gyno who is non-binary and has to sit down with their gyno and teach them about pronouns and gendering people correctly uh, who have vaginas. And it's very cute. And they meet in the hallway and sort of accidentally become friends. Um, so there's very newly out person and this very seasoned queer person who's, like, very used to it. And it sort of follows their journey over a few episodes. Um, and they're very skit-like. They're really comedic and they take a lot of sort of, um, I guess, really positive or, like, anti-cancel culture approaches to a lot of really serious topics in the queer community and just teaches you ah. about them. It's really cute. That sounds, that sounds really nice. Yeah. Like, like,
1: you don't often get a lot of, like, shows or, like, just general representation in media with, like, older queer people like it's often like obviously like it like that just sounds really nice to hear like being mm. like hearing that a, a different kind of demographic because obviously older queer people exist they're all around and it's just like it's nice to see that that also gets represented in media
0: mm, for sure and it is nice to see older I mean these people are only around 30 so not super you know not way older than us yeah
1: not super, not, yeah, not super yeah. old but
0: not like, yeah. way out of our reach but <laughs> Um, Yeah, more middle age,
1: like it's more middle of the road.
0: Yeah, but kind of good to see, I guess, older non-binary people as well for me personally. And I think quite funny uh, with the 30-year-old recently cracked egg of a lesbian where she's like, what, I can't be 30 and a lesbian? Like that's just so cute and funny to me. And she goes through the whole stage of like exploring and – you know, trying out dating different people and learning about the community. And it's just very, very cute.
1: Yeah, that sounds really nice. Like even like not only like that age, but also like just working and exploring that identity because that's just like, that that just sounds really sweet. Like to go through that and like, I'll definitely have to give that a watch. That Mm. sounds really nice.
0: Yeah, would totally recommend it. I'm hanging out for season two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can feel that. Mm. What's your froth this week? So my froth, it's it's definitely a froth for this one. I find it, I find it's quite ironic. Um, I've been recently listening to this song called Heat Waves, which recently, like I think about two weeks ago, landed like hottest one hundred in Australia and got number one. Cute. so which I thought was really which was really good but I recently found out that the reason why it got hottest 100 like it got number one hottest 100 thank is thanks to a gay Minecraft fan fiction
0: <laughs> wait really I haven't heard this story at all
1: yeah like apparently like uh, a fanfic between these two YouTubers from what I saw it called uh Dream and uh georgia not found um there was a fanfic between the two of them and it was called heat waves and it was based off the song and it got really popular in australia apparently so the song is so that's how the song got hottest 100 apparently that happened like two weeks ago but i only heard about it now and even, it's like, aside from that, it's a really good song. Like, it's really nice to listen to. Like, it's got a really nice, like, it's kind of one of those beats you can kind of get lost in a bit. Like, you just kind of mm. and like turn it on and, like, just forget everything, which is really nice.
0: Have you read the fanfic?
1: No, I haven't.
0: <laughs> one of us has to for the next oh, episode. Say so if we can. I'll give it on. A <laughs> um, Yeah. I didn't have anything I really knotted this week other than I've been trying to apply for jobs in media and because I graduated recently oh yeah and it's hell uh I hate job applications I hate getting rejected for things and I hate interviews because I get quite anxious about it but
1: I I get that feeling 100% it's like it's it's so anxiety inducing
0: (laughs) But I also work in retail and have been doing that for three years, and I can't do another year of it.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so I've got to go. Yeah.
1: I get that. I work in hospitality. Like, nice. at a, like yeah, so it's the same, same sort of, similar sort of environment. Just like you kind of just want to get away from that, start doing something that's, you know, you're more passionate about.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: If you want to follow our content, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at SynLoud. That's at s y n loud. As well as you can check out our podcasts on Omi, Spotify, and iTunes. Today, this week, we covered uh, queer news that are going on in the media currently. Uh, accident, uh, accidentally queer cinema, as well as our froth or not.
0: Uh, We just want to say thank you from the Loud and Queer team here for listening today, and uh, if you want to have more chats with us, join our Facebook group, the Sin Loud and Queer Community Cafeteria, or our Facebook page, Loud and Queer, for general news and updates.
1: You can check out our, our playlist on Spotify, the Loud and Queer Mixtape, from January to April 2021. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next Sunday.
0: This is a show on Sin Nation run by gender diverse, LGBTQI, ACE, and Arrow youth. Visit sin.org.au/slash
1: for our podcasts.